1: You need indeed.
0: My first takeaway, and this comes from watching the game on TV, but also. The feedback and reaction on social media over the 24 or 48 hours following the contest, Gamecock Nation, pat yourself on the freaking back. Give yourself a round of applause because Gamecock Nation came through yet again, right? Guys, we talked about it all week long, the impact of playing at home, at night, the the aura of williams Bryce Stadium and how it's one of the toughest places to play in college football and, I mean, I don't know if it's because we're getting further and further away from COVID or it's because NIL or it's because of simply what Shane Beamer's doing or because of how Carolina finished the the 2022 season. But it almost feels as if the atmosphere at Williams-Brice Stadium is getting better as the Shane Beamer era progresses. And by the way, give credit to Justin King and his entire staff for what they've done with the game day experience from the lights to the to the actual media they're playing in stadium, to the game day enhancements, everything in between, guys. I mean, the reports that I've gotten from people is that it's really top to bottom, all the bells and whistles. It is a top-tier, top-notch game day experience. And it's one thing to hear that from Gamecock fans. But then you're seeing folks from the Mississippi State side this past weekend who are going as far as to say it is the best game day experience that they have ever seen, that they've ever been a part of. And they've been to practically every other SEC stadium. So I wanted to start there, guys, because, you know, when we talk about winning in the SEC and a lot of these, these 50-50 SEC games and what it's, what it's going to come down to, and if South Carolina is going to get to that seven or eight win mark and steal a couple of big games and, and maybe overcome some, defic- some deficiencies or overcome some things in these ball games. Having that home field advantage and having a crowd that you can lean on and the atmosphere, and, you know, I talked about this, guys, immediately following Saturday night, that it just feels like for the Gamecocks that the football gods smile on them or or good things just happen at Williams-Price Stadium, and it's because of Gamecock Nation willing this football team to victory, right? You look at Saturday night, the the Will Rogers hit and fumble, the, you know, some of the other big plays in that game, the interception, the, you know, again, willing this team to after the game was tied late, willing this team, willing this defense to get stops, willing this offense to push that extra yard and, and make that extra play. And you just, you see it time and time and time again. And this is not to say that South Carolina won't again, lose at some point at Willie B. But Willie B has certainly established itself as one of the most hostile environments and more importantly, one of the toughest places for opponents to win in the SEC. Kudos to Gamecock Nation for making that a reality. Now, guys, as we move to the action on the field and what happened on Saturday night and you guys know, look, I'm not really a, a despite some popular belief out there, I'm, I'm not some major like hot take guy. I'm, I'm not going for the for the clickbait take or, or trying to be over the top. Like I really try to be even keeled in all of my analysis, right? Give credit where credit's due. Also be critical of what needs to be critical of, if you will, and, and stay in the middle. Don't get carried away, but don't be doom and gloom either. And so you know that because of that, when I say this, you know, I, it's not me getting out over my skis. It, it's not me, you know, feeling as if I need to make some sort of point. But we need to stop and give credit where credit is due. It's time to start mentioning Spencer Rattler and or Xavier Laguette in the Heisman Trophy conversation. And I understand. Listen, I get it. I know how the Heisman Trophy award works, right? It is the best player on the best team, right? The Heisman Trophy is no longer, it just goes to the best player in college football. Like, your team has to be in championship contention to even have a chance. Look at last year, guys. A guy like Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, he did not even get invited to New York last year, which still blows my mind. But realistically, if we're talking about what the Heisman Trophy is supposed to be about, which is the best individual player in college football. You cannot sit here and tell me through four weeks that Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett don't have legitimate cases. I'm not telling you right now they're going to win the Heisman Trophy. I'm not telling you they should be the leaders at the top, but they should at least be in the conversation. Guys, Xavier Leggett leads all of Power 5 in receiving yards. Xavier Leggett, excuse me, Spencer Rattler is playing out of his mind, completing over 90% of his passes in ballgames like it's nothing. Spencer Rattler is doing things against SEC defenses that many quarterbacks could not do against air, guys. 18 for 20, 288, three touchdowns and no picks in that ball game on Saturday night. Xavier Leggett, five catches for 189 yards, two touchdowns, 37.8 yards per catch. Again, I understand how the Heisman Trophy works. And why that means that Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett probably won't even get consideration. And I know it's only been four weeks, but guys, you cannot sit here and tell me with a straight face they should not at least be in the conversation right now. The way those two were playing. Let's give credit where credit's due, man. There's no receiver in college football better than Xavier Leggett, and there is no quarterback in college football playing at a higher level, doing more for his football team than Spencer Rattler is right now. And it's funny because I I keep waiting on, not, not in a negative way, guys, but, like, I keep waiting on Spencer Rattler and even Xavier Leggett to be human, right, just to be human. I'm not saying have a bad game, but the law of averages in football and, you know, Normally, the numbers even themselves out. So I just, I keep waiting, okay, at some point, right, he, he's human. He's going to have a human type of game. There's going to be a game where, for whatever reason, Spencer Rattler is is somewhat off, you know? Like, I'm not saying he plays bad, but he's not completing 90% of his passes. And Spencer Rattler refuses to oblige. Again, I'm, I'm not telling you right now, give him the Heisman Trophy because I get how it works. Unless South Carolina rattles off eight straight wins and, and goes 10-2, and is in a New York Six Bowl, he doesn't have a chance. I mean, guys, again, you think about it. Hendon Hooker did not even get an invite last year, and he was historically great. But all I'm saying is, if you're having a Heisman Trophy conversation right now, right now through four weeks, and you're making a list, these are guys to keep an eye on, and you're not including Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, you're missing the mark. You're completely missing the mark because they're two of the best players in college football, maybe the best at each of their respective positions. Xavier Leggett, leading all power five receivers in receiving yards, and Spencer Rattler, there's no quarterback playing at a higher level right now. Get the freaking campaign started for both, man, because both guys deserve it. We're
1: driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform.
0: And, of course, they were big parts, guys, of South Carolina success on Saturday night. I mean, I think at this point, sticking with the whole Rattler-Leguette thing, specifically on Spencer Rattler, and I, I this is who he is. I, the thing that's impressed me the most, guys, I said this after week one, I'll continue to say it. What's impressing me the most, I never doubted that what Rattler's doing right now, I never doubted that he was capable of that. I don't think anybody did. What I doubted was he was capable of doing it without the back-breaking mistakes that had haunted him through the first, what, three years of his college career. So that's what's impressing me more than anything. Because you think about that game on Saturday night, right? If Spencer Rattler makes that, that, bad, you know, that bad throw that leads to a pick, if he fumbles the football, if, he's, you know, if he makes those bad decisions that have haunted him, like if he played anything other than damn near perfect On Saturday night, he had two incompletions. One of them should have been a pass interference. Omega Blake, Jersey got grabbed. He could have caught that football had that not happened. So, I don't even really count that against Rattler. And I even, honestly, I forget the other incompletion. But if Rattler is anything other than damn near perfect in that game, there's a good chance South Carolina does not win that football game. That's what's impressing me right now, guys, more than anything, is like, We knew he was capable of greatness, but not making the mistakes. He has significantly raised his floor. And you got to give credit to Davel Loggins, too. You got to give credit because it's, it's not perfect for sure. It's not perfect, but my goodness, it is such a night and day difference from what we saw last year. I mean, guys, on a side note, how bad was Marcus Satterfield? How terrible was Marcus Satterfield to think that he had this at his disposal? It's insane. Back to the Xavier Leggett point, guys. I mean, good for Xavier Leggett, first off, man. Good good for Xavier Leggett what's happening because this is a dude. It was around this time last year, right? It's funny enough, a year ago to the date, we were sitting here during SC State Week. And that was the week and that was the game in which Xavier Leggett had the two the two balls that bounced off his hands and turned into interceptions. And, you know, many Gamecock fans out there said, hey, he, sh- he should never play again. Pull his scholarship, cut him from the team. He's never going to amount to anything. Well, thank goodness Shane Beamer and Justin Stepp did not oblige. Because, again, not only is he this, this team's best wide receiver, hands down, he's the best wide receiver, not of the SEC, in college football, guys. And, I mean, he he just – you know, I don't think South Carolina's got a a long, you know, a laundry list of of great wide receivers on this roster. Admittedly, they've got some solid ones. But Xavier Leggett, it doesn't matter if he's the top primary target and he's the one guy you got to take away. Teams can't take him away. And that burst of speed on the opening drive, by the way, we knew he could high point the football. My goodness. That speed, I mean, does this dude run a four-two-five? Like what what? We have not seen that in his game. And I tell you this, too, in closing on those two guys, Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, two dudes that are making themselves a ton of money this season. Now, sticking with the offense, guys, the debate at running back is officially over. And if it's not, it should be. But amongst the fan base and amongst yours truly, the debate is over. Mario Anderson is this team's RB1. And it's not because of preference. It's not because of potential. It's because of productivity. And Mario Anderson gave you something on Saturday night we have not seen. We have not seen at all to this point. Of course, our week four MVP, in case you missed it, 26 carries for 88 yards. And a touchdown. And I know some will look and say, okay, he averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Big whoop. But, guys, when you've been struggling to run the football as much as South Carolina has, 3.4 yards per carry feels like a massive success. And we talked about this before, guys. South Carolina, by the way, is a football team, ran for 144 yards total. Our good friend JB over at Inside the Gamecocks, excuse me, he's pointed this out before, that when South Carolina runs for over 100 yards, I believe now the record is 13-1 and in the Shane Beamer era. Either way, whatever that record is, South Carolina wins when they run for over 100 yards. And we talked about this going in the game last week. You don't have to be elite running the football, guys. You don't. You don't need Marcus Lattimore back there. Like, you don't need a 1,000-yard rusher. With the way that Spencer Rattler's playing, the way he's clicking right now, you just need a complementary running game. That's it. Just a complementary running game to where when you're 70-30 past the run, at least that 30 is enough of a is enough of a threat to keep a defense honest. That's all you need. And Mario Anderson, we we saw it in the Furman game. We even saw it against Georgia. And I'm going to get to more about D'Kirion Joyner and what this means for him in a second. But when you watch Mario Anderson, sure, he did it at the D2 level. Was I skeptical that he could transition to SEC and, and be a big-time guy? I was a little bit because it's a major jump. But the biggest thing Mario Anderson has going for him is this. Guys, he's been a big-time running back before. He has the confidence, the swagger, and the edge of a guy who has been there and done that. He's not sitting back there processing a bunch of different things or wondering, where am I supposed to be? And now, guys, now, let's not forget this play. This one went kind of under the radar. Not only is he a tough runner, he's physical. He's got, he's got vision. He's got awareness. How about picking up the blitz early in the game? Because that was the thing that people were saying was holding him back. Oh, well, you know, DiCaprio knows how to pass block. That's why he's in there. If Mario Anderson's picking up the blitz like that, that shouldn't be part of the equation anymore. And so this is a football take, right? Remove feelings. Push those aside. This is a football take. Mario Anderson, it's not up for debate is the best running back on this roster. Mario Anderson is the clear-cut RB1 on this football team. And he is the only person who should start at the running back position moving forward. Now, with that being said, what does this mean for the Cabrion Joyner? How should South Carolina utilize the Cabrion Joyner moving forward? Because while DeCabrion Joiner should not be this team's RB1, as I've mentioned many times, guys, he has a skill set. He has a skill set that can help South Carolina win football games. But it is not at starting running back. I think this dude, we talked about this a lot, guys, immediately following the game on Saturday night. He's got a knack for the end zone, right? I think DeCabrion Joyner is still one of the team leaders in touchdowns. I think using him as a red zone type of gadget player, you know, some people are going to really take offense to that and take that personally, like, how dare you put that label? Guys, it's a football take. Let's let's go ahead, by the way, get that out of the way. And I notice this, too, when people talk about the carry-on joiner because, you know, they're they're not used to, and they're not comfortable with opinions potentially being met with resistance or, or people being critical of their opinions. So they have to preface every Dikevion Joyner take with, man, I just want you to know first off, for I say this, I, I love Dikevion Joyner, man. I, I think he's a great person. I think he's a great Gamecock. Guys, we know all that. Everybody agrees that Dikevion Joyner is a selfless football player. He's a selfless Gamecock, and he'll forever go down as a legend as he should but let's give a football take. You shouldn't have to preface a football take with feelings. This ain't a feelings take. This a football take. DiKabrian Joyner's not a running back. Period, point blank in a story. He shouldn't have been asked to be one. Period, point blank in a story. Get it out of the way. Doesn't mean he can't help the football team, but it should not be a running back. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted T. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at GameTime. Go download the GameTime app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SpursUp. That's S P or S U P for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If you want to move Dak back to receiver, sure, go right ahead. Reserve wide receivers, great. I think where he's best utilized is in a wildcat gadget type of package. Like, there should be a DiCarrion Joiner package. Let's stop trying to put DiCarrion Joiner in one specific position, right? Let's stop doing that. I'm sure many of you recall last year when, you know, the, the, the turmoil that followed after one of my Decabrion Joiner takes. And I learned my lesson from that in the sense of things can get wildly misconstrued and spun out of control on social media. But the point I was making was this. It's very obvious to anybody who knows football that DiCabrian Joiner at the SEC level, and it's nothing personal, right? I shouldn't have to preface it, but you kind of have to. Guy's not a great quarterback. He's not a great wide receiver, and he's not a great running back. So let's try, Let's stop treating him as that he's got to be one of those three things. He can be a great athlete for South Carolina, and there be specific packages, him being the red zone. Like, he can help Carolina win tremendously. He can help the Gamecocks win football games, but it's not at one of those true positions. I've heard Shane Beamer talk about Juju McDabble as being this kind of special package guy, and that's what the Cabrion Joiner should be, man. The what like DeKerion Joyner was born for the Wildcat. Like he is the prototypical Wildcat guy, and I'm sure he's. I have no problem with DeKerion Joyner getting five to ten carries a game at running back, and as long as Marbio Anderson is RB one, because I don't know where Juju by the way has gone. He hadn't gotten a snap, hadn't gotten a hadn't gotten a touch in two games, and then Dontavious Braswell's a true freshman. So out of depth alone. You got to keep, keep DK back there and, you know, be able to spell Mario Anderson, not ask him to carry the football 30 times, but we got to stop treating the carry joiner like he's a quarterback or receiver or running back. guys. He's an athlete. Let him work. Come up with some sort of package that best utilizes his skill set. And by the way, guys, before anybody takes that runs with it and gets all butt hurt, it's not the carry joiners fault. He's been grossly mismanaged throughout his entire career at South Carolina. It started with Will Muschamp and then Marcus Satterfield, and nobody's ever been able to get the most out of the guy, but he can still flourish and be a big-time playmaker for South Carolina. I think red zone threat, I think having that package, guys, he's got a knack for the end zone. When they get down there, he's taking that direct snap at quarterback, but it should not be at RB1. And I think the carries at running back should honestly – be limited. I think they should because it's very clear cut right now what the answer is at that position. Now, continuing to move forward, guys, I thought it was great to see Trey Knox finally at the tight end spot get his shine. And a productive outing for Trey Knox at that guys, four catches, 53 yards, obviously had that big touchdown catch in the ball game. Hey, that's all you're asking for from a guy like Trey Knox. I don't think anybody was expecting him to be a thousand yard receiver, but just Being that safety valve for Spencer Rattler, the biggest thing for Trey Knox that I see, just catch the football, man. I think sometimes there's like lapses in uh, concentration where he's dropping the football. There are very easy catches he should be hauling in that go off his hands. But for the most part, I thought it was great to see those tight ends get going, specifically Trey Knox. And man, if you can keep that rolling, maybe get Joshua Simon some touches, and then you got Xavier Leggett going you know, I, I think the wide receiver room is still kind of, okay, who's the who's the number two guy? Is it Omega Blake? Is it Eddie Lewis? Is it Amarion Brown when he comes back? Hey, in the meantime, you know what you can do to help out Xavier Leguette? Number one, get Mario Anderson going. But number two, get Trey Knox, Joshua Simon. I thought that was a great sign for this Gamecocks offense uh, on Saturday night to see him get involved and get in the end zone most importantly. And the offensive front, guys. That young talent is continuing to shine. I, I thought a really, really telling comment from Shane Beamer was in his teleconference on Sunday night when he mentioned that yeah, Ja'Kai Moore got banged up or he's hurt or whatever, and then he followed that up and said, "But we're planning on playing Trovon Bow anyway." Like he made, he made it very clear to say, "Hey, it, it ain't no big deal. We're, we're we're going with these young guys. We're investing in these young guys." And man, you're just you're just getting to watch Big Tree Bubbletade watching Trovon Bow because, guys, that was the frustrating thing early, right? We felt like, hey, this offense, we know it's got tons of talent. We know it's got playmakers, but you got to get your – you got to get what you need out of those big uglies up front. And, you know, I I think what's most exciting – it's not going to be perfect right throughout the year, but what's most exciting in my opinion is seeing those young guys start to really get their feet under them, start to really gel. And, guys, if they're this good as freshmen – and they don't even hardly know what they're doing yet. And they're not even close to the best physical shape they're going to be in, right? If they're already making this type of impact, because guys, I think we can all agree, since Big Tree Babalade and Trovon Bowe and Jatavius Shivers and these young guys have made contributions, the whole offensive line just looks more in sorts, if you will. The, the entire offensive line looks more like a well-oiled machine at this point, right? It's that young talent continuing to come through up front for South Carolina. It's making all the difference. I thought they did a great job with the run blocking, obviously, guys, against South Carolina, over 100 yards rushing. Guys, we mentioned last week leading up to the game, just hit 100 yards. Like, that would be a great achievement to just hit 100 yards, man. Instead of rush for 144, give Spencer Rattler time. I I think – Spencer Rattler was sacked, I believe. Let's see, how many times was he sacked? Uh, actually, four times. Okay, so Mississippi State did get to Spencer Rattler. Uh, let's see. Yeah, four sacks. Four sacks, five tackles loss, Four sacks. So, State was living in the backfield to some degree. You know, four sacks is still not what you want, but most importantly, it's the balance with the rushing attack. and. Nobody's expecting it to be perfect when you've got true freshman offensive linemen in the SEC, but I think we all agree this is by far the best means of operation moving forward to get those young guys experience, get that great wall of Carolina, some experience under their belt, and I think it's going to pay off major dividends, especially especially when you get second half of the season. and. You know, those guys have played a bunch of games, and they're really no longer freshmen, right? And you get that final four-game home stretch, and I think it's going to be a really, really good thing for South Carolina. Guys, moving to the defensive side of the football. And there's been a lot of debate on social media and amongst the Gamecocks fan base about Clayton White, South Carolina defensive coordinator in year three. Is he on the hot seat? Should he be fired? You know, that's something, guys – I'm not going to have a, a comment or, you know, a take on Clayton White's job status. Specifically, whether he's the long-term answer, he should be fired probably till closer toward end of season unless things really get out of hand. But these are the numbers right now. In year three of Clayton White through four games. Let's also, by the way, before I get into this, let's preface this with South Carolina has played one of the toughest schedules in college football to this point. And we knew, if you listen to me back over the summer, we knew, hey, South Carolina defensively, you lose all this experience. You lose all these proven guys. You take on quarterbacks like Drake May. You take on quarterbacks like Will Rogers, Carson Beck. You're taking on some high-flying offenses. Let's see how this defense holds up. We knew it was going to be a challenge early on, right? That's why we said too many times, hey, through six games, get to three and three. Four and two would be gravy. Five and one would be a dream start. Six and zero oh, probably impossible. So, that was one of the big reasons. But these are the numbers through four games for South Carolina's defense: four hundred and thirty-two yards per game allowed. Total defense, fourteenth in the SEC. Six point zero two yards per play allowed. Fourteenth in the SEC. 317 yards per game allowed through the air, 14th in the SEC. That one's almost hard to fathom, but Will Rogers' 487 yards passing did not help. Uh, 19 tackles for loss, tied for 14th in the SEC. 21.5 opponents' first downs, 14th in the SEC. You can have your debates of whether Clayton White should be fired. He's on the hot seat. But I'm going to just tell you this, and I'm not ready to sit here and say that, fire Clayton White! This is... But Clayton White's seat is rapidly warming. It is rapidly warming. And I'm not somebody, guys, that, like, I, I don't dislike Clayton White. I think he's done a good job in his first two years. And I, I think South Kimball, on his defense, realistically lost... People were not giving enough credit to losing Cam Smith, Darius Rush, you know, even losing Jordan Burch off the edge, losing Gilbert Edmond, losing Zach Pickens. And by the way, we'll get into this in a second, but the defensive front's actually been a lot more active the last two weeks. But there were just some major losses that, unfortunately, to this point, South Carolina has not been able to overcome, right? And so when I look at this Gamecock's defense and the lack of depth in the secondary, two guys is killing this team. You know the injury to Nicky Medwar. You can't tell me he wasn't still hampered. Heck, Shane Beamer said that he was going to be less than one hundred percent in that football game, and that secondary got burned all night. I think you know it's 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 an interesting conversation when you talk about the defensive coordinator, because I don't think you're going to come at the DC in most instances with the same level of energy that you came at the offensive coordinator with, right? Because the game of football is all offense now, right? You're you're outscoring your opponents. Nobody's winning 17 to 14 or 14 to 10. So, like, how good on defense do you need to be to keep your job for the long term as a defensive coordinator, right? So I think that's one of the reasons why Clayton White sort of, you know, gets this this pass if you will. And as long as South Carolina's defense isn't costing them wins, see that was Marcus Satterfield's problem, right? It'd be one thing if the offense stunk and you're winning. Well, you know, you're 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 moaning and groaning and you're you're disappointed, you're not happy, but you're winning football games. So what difference does it make? So right now we're not thrilled with the way the defense looked on Saturday, but it didn't cost you the football game ultimately, right? Like, you you still won the football game. You still made that big play defensively that you needed to make, the two big plays and the turnovers you had to make to, to win the football game and be the difference maker. It's not costing you football games yet. But I tell you this, the second it starts to, you think it's bad right now? You think it's bad right now, the energy and the, and, and, and the mood towards Clayton White? and there's some of you out there that are, that are major Clayton White stands and you can't stand the good name of Clayton White being dragged into the mud. But, hey, don't blame Gamecock fans. Don't blame Gamecock fans. A lot of them are acting rationally when you're 14th in the SEC in basically every category. And, again, give credit to the schedule. There's a lot of teams right now that rank higher than South Carolina that have played nobody. And I'm not sitting here on this Monday telling you that, hey, South Carolina, they got to fire Clayton White end of season. And I'm not even telling you if the numbers stay the same, they 110% fire him. But I tell you this, if the numbers stay the same, whether it's not losing you football games or it is, Shane Beamer is going to have some big decisions to make because, you know, nobody's asking you to you know, hold hold opponents to 10 points per game or anything of the sort, but regressing defensively, not being able to make adjustments, letting practically one freaking guy beat you. That's tough to stomach. That's tough to live with. It really truly is. I I will say to the credit of the defense, the rushing defense has gotten better. It has. But now all of a sudden, South Carolina defensively can't stop anybody through the air. And so... I don't know that I would say Clayton White's on the hot seat right now, and I'm not calling for his job at this moment. But his seat is warming. His seat is warm, in my opinion. I I need to see something from Clayton White in these eight eight final regular season games because the defense has been less than stellar to this point. That's putting it very, very kindly. Sticking with the defense, guys. On the bright side, as I mentioned, I think the defensive front is actually continuing to progress now you got to look at the flow of the game as well. I I think Mississippi State saw early on, hey, our guy Will Rogers is hot. We're having a lot of success in the passing game. Let's continue to utilize him, and they did that. But I think guys like Tonka Hemingway, Alex Huntley, Jordan Strawn, T.J. Sanders, I'm seeing just a different different type of energy from the defensive front, right? And even when Mississippi State went pass heavy, obviously they're throwing every single down – I thought the defensive front did a good job getting their hands up, right? Batting down some big throws, if you will. I thought that made a difference in the ballgame. Jordan Strom, with three tackles for loss, was much more himself and the guy that we thought he could be. TJ Sanders, in the sack in the football game. Alex Huntley was very, very active in the backfield as well. So I'm liking actually what I'm seeing the progression from Travian Robertson's unit. And again, we talked about Woody Marks and slowing him down and, you know, keeping him to, I think, what was it, less than. 50 yards, I think, was the number. Yeah, I mean, 12 for 27. Guys, for Woody Marks in this football game, Mississippi State ran 23 times for 32 yards, 1.4 yards per carry, and two touchdowns in the game. So, South Carolina's defensive front, linebacker play, did a great job locking in on the run, slowing down the run, but that left the secondary (laughs) wildly susceptible. Again, 487 yards For Will Rogers, to Lou Griffin, 256 by himself. My question is this, is it time to panic or is it just a one-off game for the secondary? And I'll say this, guys, the competition's been great, right? The competition's been really good. But this is how I feel about the Gamecocks defense leaving this football game. Are there talented individual pieces? Sure, guys like Nick Emanwari, DQ Smith, Marcella Styles done some nice things. Guys in the front seven for sure. But my overwhelming feeling is this, the what we've seen through the first four games. Will this defense have their moments this season? I think they will because I think this defense is coached in a manner in which making the opportunistic play, getting the big turnover, what have you. But this is not a good defense. This is a bottom third of the SEC defense. And the first two years, I think a lot of the defensive deficiencies were masked by getting those turnovers and your secondary being, you know, one of the tops in the SEC, if you will. You don't have that luxury this year, guys, because this is a secondary. The departures of Cam Smith and Debrius Rush, South Carolina has not been able to fill those voids. And right now, Nicky Manwari and D.Q. Smith, and I know Eman Manwari dealing with an injury, but they're just not playing very well. I mean, D.Q. Smith, burnt toast all night long gets MSU. Nicky Minwari biting on the play action, giving no help in the back end, and Lou Griffin ate you alive all day long. But I think as a whole, as a whole moving forward, South Carolina is going to have to outscore teams to win. I, I just... I don't see the Gamecocks stopping nearly anyone, because I don't think these are issues and these are these are things that get fixed overnight. I'm not telling you that South Carolina at some point won't have a solid defensive game, because the competition is not going to be as stiff as it's been to this point. But I don't think this is a good defense, guys. I, I, I you know, it, it's almost as if we've lived in our own kind of. Garnet and Black bubble the first two years, or people have thought this defense was really, really good. And you talk to folks outside of the program, they say, you know, South Carolina has been opportunistic, but they have not been a good defense. Let's let's not get it twisted. It's not a good defense in Columbia. I have finally come around to the fact they're right. This is just not a good defense. It's a defense that every now and then is going to make opportunistic plays. It's a defense that every now and then is going to make that big game-changing play, that turnover, that interception, that fumble recovery, that scoop and score, that pick six whatever it might be, because they're coached to do that. But South Carolina to win football games this year, if the Gamecocks get to eight wins, it's because this offense continued to play at a really, really high level. Because I I just don't see South Carolina stopping anybody defensively. Because this is not a good defense. And that's unfortunate to say because there's some good individual pieces, but as a whole, this defense leaves a lot left to be desired on a weekend, week out basis. Guys, my final takeaway is this. And I said this after the game on Saturday night. I'll keep repeating this. Hey, there's no such thing as a bad win in the SEC. And a win is a win is a win. Was it perfect? No. Did it make you want to pull your hair out at times? Absolutely. freaking And I know many people don't want to give Mississippi State credit. I- I'm not saying Mississippi State, guys, is some fantastic team, and they're not. They came in with one of the worst offenses in the SEC, and, you know, they were, what, 13th in our power rankings last week, and that's probably where they'll be this week too, right? They're not a very good football team. They're not going to win a lot of games. Probably, you know, I had them at 7-5. and They're probably a team fighting for bowl eligibility. But Mississippi State's a team that I probably put in that same group with South Carolina, where it's like 3-13, through who knows? Who knows what happens? on a week-in, week-out basis. And with the parity that we are seeing in college football, guys, I don't think style points, like, I, I don't think it's much of a thing anymore, guys. I think it's about just winning games. It's becoming, and you're going to cringe when I say this, it's becoming more and more and more like the NFL in the sense of, like, there's no style points in the NFL. Survive and advance, baby. Survive and advance. That's that's what college football is now, Right? And so there's no such thing as a bad win in this conference. Win anyway, find a way. Hey, a win is a win is a win. And I'll take an ugly win in which you you surrender almost 500 passing yards. And I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week, so listen. You can sit here. We can nitpick it to death. We can we can be upset about this. We can call for Clayton White's job. We can talk about this and that and what have you and debate and we're blue in the face. But hey, in doing that, don't lose sight of this fact: winning feels good, <laughs> and winning will always feel good. So while there's things to nitpick and 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 you know pick apart and discuss and debate and banter. It's Victory Monday. Enjoy every single victory.